Hello and welcome to this week's episode from the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now this week it's all about the potato, the humble potato. Now this might be slightly early for some, but actually I'm finding it is time for me to start preparing the ground and get my potatoes chitted. That's coming up a little bit later on, but first of all let's find out what I've been up to in the first diary update. It is Saturday the 28th of January 2023 and you find me down on the 11 today. And I have been down here and getting a lot of tasks topped off my to-do list. So first of all, I came down to Eolomon and I brought down some more cardboard, which I've placed underneath the fruit bushes at the very top of Eolomon. All that seems to be coming together quite nicely now. There is a lot of cardboard up there, which I hope the council isn't going to complain about. But what I might do is just throw some straw over the cardboard just to hide the cardboard and make it look a little bit neater, while at the same time suppressing all those weeds that are underneath. However, the the rhubarb to the side of it that I covered in cardboard last year, that is still pretty free of weeds. And I just quickly ran the hoe through that little bit. The soil is a bit drier now that the hoe could actually get through this quite nicely. So that area is coming together quite nicely now and I'm hoping this year is going to be the year I keep on top of those weeds. So after that I moved down to my apple tree. Now my apple tree has been in this allotment for quite a few years. It was one of the very first things that I planted on the bottom half of the plot, the original half of the plot. And in fact it came with me from my old allotment where I grew it in a pot. But I always feel that trees are going to do better in the ground. So I planted it in the ground and I staked it when I planted it. But after a couple of years I removed the stake. And this tree had started to lean over and get more and more vertical to the point it was virtually laying on the ground. So today one of my tasks was to get this upright. Now I thought I was going to have to dig this out and spend quite a bit of time digging it to get it upright. But what I ended up doing is just giving it a gentle tug and it came up. No real roots were damaged or anything. So with it upright, I hammered in a stake in the ground. It needs a bit more hammering with a better hammer, but I've got it in the ground, and then I've used some tree ties to hold it upright. And it seems to be holding quite nicely. When I come down during the week, I will bring a bigger hammer that I can just use to hammer the stake into the ground a little better. So that was one job that I thought was going to take quite a while. It didn't. It was a pretty quick job. So after that, I moved over to my raspberry bed. Now these are my autumn raspberry beds. Now these are my autumn raspberries. And last year we did really well out of these raspberries. Really well. The only trouble is we did get a few bugs in them. So I want to try and avoid that. But first of all, what I had to do is prune all the raspberries down to the ground, which I did. And that didn't take all that long, to be honest with you. But once that was done, I then cleared out a load of weeds and even managed to get a hoe out to really get in to these weeds. Now, this isn't my normal hoe. When I cleared my shed out last weekend, I discovered quite a thin hoe that I must have bought at some point. In fact, I remember buying it and I cannot remember quite what it's for. 
but it's quite a nice thin hoe, which meant I could get in between the raspberry plants quite easily without damaging the raspberry plants. And that, again, just cleared that up really, really nicely. And now the raspberry bed is ready to go. There's still a few more weeds that will need to come out, but I, again, what I'm gonna be doing is just constantly getting a hoe out in there to try and keep those weeds down. But really, I'm very, very happy with it. I've spoken in the past about building two new beds and getting rid of a strawberry bed, and I've decided that is what I'm going to be doing. So at some point, two new beds will be going into that allotment, which is going to be great. I've also got to build new compost bins because it's coming quite obvious that my compost bins, these are the pallet type, are falling apart. And I uh, I just want to get some new compost bins. A lot of projects in the pipeline, as you can hear. Now, one of the things that I am going to be growing on this allotment is potatoes, and I've been preparing my potato beds. So down on this allotment, I have three beds I'm using for potatoes this year. Last year, these potatoes were used for beans, and they did quite well. Now, I did that on purpose. Beans are from the legume family, of course, and they are well known for putting nitrogen into the soil. Potatoes are hungry plants, so the nitrogen in the soil is going to benefit those potatoes. Added to that, I also grew some green manures in this bed, which were field beans. Now, they did get killed off in the cold weather, but they did their job. They put more nitrogen in that soil. But before I sowed the field beans, of course, I've added plenty of compost to this three beds so I haven't had to add any more compost at this moment. Now usually we will want to pl add plenty of organic matter. Well-rotted compost is good, well-rotted manure is also good but I do that the previous season so that it has a chance to settle down and get the nutrients into the ground. The thing with potatoes is that we're going to be adding more compost as the potatoes grow to mulch the, around the potatoes. So for me, it's not a problem at not adding organic matter at this period. Today, what I've done is I have hoed these beds completely down, but I've left all the hoeings, all the greenery that we've cut off to lay on the bed. And that's because what I've done is covered these beds with weed suppressing membrane. Now I've used weed suppressing membrane because I found a roll of it in this shed when I cleared it out and I want to put it to use. And that's what I've done. I could have used cardboard of course, which is one of my favourite things to use, but I've got to admit the amount of cardboard on this allotment is getting quite extensive. Anyway, this weed suppressor membrane will be down to about March the 17th, and that is when I usually plant out my potatoes. So between now and then, all this green material is just going to rot down, and a weed suppressor membrane is going to restrict any weeds that might grow. It's also going to warm the soil up, so it gets us off to an even better start. Come March the 17th, I will just lift up this weed suppressor membrane, pick any of the weeds that may have appeared and then plant out my potatoes. Now because my beds are 2.4 metres by 1.5 metres I've calculated that I can fit 34 potato plants in each bed. 
So the first bed, the top bed, will be my first earlies. My second bed will be my second earlies. And my third earlies will be my main crops. Now, my third bed actually has less compost and manure in it at this moment. And there's a few stones, which we will remove before we plant out the potatoes. But that is a good thing. As I said earlier, we will be adding compost to these beds as the potatoes grow. The first earlies and the second earlies, it's not so important. But the main crops, it's definitely very, very important to add it to. And the reason we add compost to these beds is we want to cover the potatoes so that when the potatoes grow, they're not exposed to sun and go green. And it helps obviously conserve moisture. Potatoes love moisture. But also, it encourages more potatoes to grow. So that is a very, very good reason as to why we add compost. Now, when it comes to planting, what I like to use is a bulb planter. I just stick it in the ground, remove some soil, add in a seed potato, and then drop back in the soil. I find a bulb planter is just a perfect size in terms of depth for getting these seed potatoes down. Now, added to that, we want about 30 centimetres to 45 centimetres between each plant. So, I, because my work in blocks, I get 30 centimetres each way. The main crop, so if I want to grow really large baking potatoes, I might expand it up to 45 centimetres. So that gives you an idea that potatoes being a staple also needs lots of room. And that's why I do grow quite a few of them. But I'm not just growing potatoes in the ground down on the allotment. At home, I'm also growing potatoes in pots. And I'm using a variety called Charlotte for that particular reason. Growing potatoes in pots is very, very easy to do. I personally prefer my potatoes in the ground because there is more moisture. But potatoes in pots are so much easier to look after and so much easier to deal with. They just require more watering. Now for that, there's no real preparation until it comes to planting day. All I do is make sure the pots I'm going to be using are big enough. I go for the big, at least 45 litre pots. Uh, make sure they're clean and sterilised. And then we half fill them up with compost, laying our seed potatoes, and then cover the seed potatoes over with more compost and again as they grow we add more and more compost now in terms of the experiment that we're doing with potatoes this year where we're trialing different composts again we're not going to be adding more compost we're just going to add our seed potatoes and fill it right up with compost to see how they get on Added to that, when it does come to planting out our seed potatoes, I do like to add a bit of mycorrhizal fungi to the soil and some potato fertiliser. Some people do add slug pellets in order to avoid slugs in the, in the ground. I personally don't bother with that, but uh, mycorrhizal fungi and potato fertiliser is all I tend to add and it proves me quite well. Now, I will be talking about how I grow potatoes and what potatoes I'm growing a little bit later on. First of all, let's find out if I get any work done at home tomorrow. It is Sunday the 29th of January 2023 today, and I've had a bit of time in our garden at home. Now, you may recall last week I mentioned that I had a collection of flower pots, and uh, a few weeks ago, we've been, and over the last few weeks for that matter, been trying to sort of get them into a bit of a better organisation and stored better. Well, today, my lovely wife 
came out to help me complete this job. Now, I'm a terrible hoarder, I'll be honest, and I do not like throwing things out, especially if they are still useful. But my wife isn't so attached, so she came along and she helped me out and was a bit more ruthless, shall we say. And it was good. It, it needed doing because it's just too many. So we went through all our pots in the end. We got rid of quite a few that were damaged. We're going to send those off for recycling and kept the ones that I need. And I, I am on a mission this year. As you know, we're trying to tackle the cost of living crisis. So a lot of the plants that I'm growing, the extras, I'm going to be giving away or, or selling on in order to try and recoup a bit of money, but also get more people growing food cheaply so a lot of these pots are going to be used for that anyway with the flower pots all sorted out i i feel a lot happier and have gained a bit more of our, our garden area back i try and keep all the extra pots behind my garden shed in a in bins or in, in containers which isn't as easy as it sounds but uh it to me it's just somewhere out of sight and out of mind so after that I went into the small veggie pod, the herb veggie pod, and I sowed some parsley. Now I love growing herbs. For me it's one thing that I feel we should all be growing more of. And parsley for me is one of those herbs that are just fantastic. So a few parsley seeds gone into a row inside the veggie pod. All I do to sow these in here, make a little line in the ground with my hand and add a few seeds and then fill it back up with some more compost. As easy as that, give them a good water and hopefully they will grow. Being in the veggie pod with a mesh cover, they're protected from birds but also hold on to a bit of heat. Added to that, I then went and did a similar sort of thing but with spinach in my medium veggie pod. Now the medium veggie pod is for cat and cam again, salad leaves, so lettuces and spinach and things like that will be growing in here as well. What I will do, as both of these spinach and parsley grow, we have to thin them out. The thinnings I will pot into other pots or and to use in other places. So nothing gets wasted, but we can also carry on to grow quite a bit more food. Now after that, I wanted to complete the newish bed that I built a few weeks ago. This is the bed that doesn't have any wooden sides. It's just cardboard and compost on top. I started this a few weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, I think it was, and I just needed a bit more compost. Don't want to really use compost that we have to buy in for this because I'm trying to keep costs down. But I had one compost bin that I felt the compost was ready. But this compost bin was placed over the remains of a willow tree that I took down in September 2021. Now I used this method of placing a Dalek compost bin over the top of a stump and then filling it up with compost material on the hope that it would kill off the tree so it doesn't grow back and make it easy to remove. And today, 18 months down the line, I felt it was time to see how well it worked. So I lifted up the compost bin, dug out all the compost, which I've used and completed my fifth bed. Very happy with that. But then I could see the stump was still there and I was a bit disappointed because I half expected it to rot away. But I could tell it was pretty dead. It was pretty rotten. Well, I gave it a sharp tug 
and it all came out roots and all really really easily and I'm really really happy for that to have been dealt with now it's just so such an easy way to remove tree stumps there's no having to dig out the roots there's no having to get a stump grinder in it just comes out so so easy and I've done this many many times over the years and it's my method that I will continue to use on trees that are very difficult to get out and I highly recommend it if you do have a tree stump that you can't get rid of in your garden place a dialect bin over it use it for composting and then see how easy it comes out after 18 months two years a stump grinder of course the fastest way but that's not always that easy. Now, join me in the greenhouse. I'm going to go through the potatoes that I'm growing for 2023 and how I will be growing these. So here I am in my greenhouse here at home and I've got my potatoes in here with me because I am going to place these out to chit. Now this year I'm growing jazzy in pots in this greenhouse which I planted a couple of weeks ago and they are going to be some very early potatoes. It's just a bit of a head start. Normally I would use home guard but I haven't been able to find any home guard in the last couple of years so I'm a bit disappointed about that because home guard has been one of my favourite varieties of potatoes that I've ever grown. But for my main potatoes that we're going to be growing either on the allotment or in buckets we're going to be growing a few varieties. We have got Rocket, Acoustic, Charlotte, Maris Piper, Sarpo Myra and King Edward. Some of these are probably most common for potato varieties that you have heard of. But there are something like 5,000 different varieties of potatoes in the world. So there's plenty of choice on what you might want to use yourself. I've chosen these six because they've always done me well. The Sarpo varieties are blight resistant. And therefore I choose those to make sure I always have main crop potatoes regardless of whether I get blight because they can fight through it. So what we're going to be doing, placing these to chit. Now when it comes to chitting, there is a lot of debate if it's worth doing or not. The reason that I hear many gardeners say that they don't bother chitting is because farmers don't chit their potatoes, which is very, very true. But my reason that I choose to chit is, well, if you have ever had potatoes in a cupboard for a long period, they have started to sprout. That is the chit that is what we're trying to achieve here. And that's the same with our seed potatoes. No matter how well I have tried to keep them in the dark, they have started to sprout. And what we don't want when they sprout is some long, thin, weak growth. We want short, stubby, strong growth. And the only way we achieve this strong, stubby growth is by making sure that the seed potatoes are chitting somewhere cool dry but with plenty of light so i've placed mine in my greenhouse to chit now again there's a lot of debate whether it is worth doing i personally do chit for that very reason and i've placed all my seed potatoes to chit in mushroom trays that i've obtained from restaurants now these mushroom trays are great i use them for a great number of things so i've always got these to hand 
And I've just placed the seed potatoes with the eyes up. The eyes are little indentations that you often see on potatoes. That is where the sprout is going to come out. These have actually all pretty much started to sprout, so I can easily see where they are. Eyes up, and we just placed the mushroom trays inside this greenhouse, and we will leave it to do its own thing. Now, over the next few weeks, we will be planting our potatoes out on March the 17th. So from now till then, these are just going to chit. We may have to just spray a bit of water onto these just to stop them from drying out and damaging them. But that's not a difficult thing to do and we don't have to do it that often. So that is it. The potatoes are there to chit. March the 17th we plant our potatoes out. So what we want to make sure, we only really want to have three chits on a potato. If you have more than that you end up with too many plants and it can be claimed that you end up with uh, less potatoes and less big potatoes. I don't find that myself but I do try to limit myself to having three chits per seed potato. We will then take those potatoes down to the allotment or if we're growing in a pot in a pot dig a hole Add some potato fertiliser, mycorrhizal fungi, pot the seed potato in and fill it. We don't bother with slug pellets like I said earlier, but potato fertiliser and mycorrhizal fungi. We will then leave the potatoes to grow. Eventually we will start to see the plants push itself through the soil. At this point I will start adding a potato fertiliser about every two weeks. I use a proprietary potato fertiliser one that says potato fertiliser on the box, that's it. Uh, because I find that to be all that we need. I just sprinkle it on every two weeks and give it a good water. Potatoes do need a lot of feed. They're very hungry plants, but they also need a lot of water as well. They are very thirsty plants. They don't want to be sat in puddles of water. They do need it to be free draining, but they do like a lot of water. And I always use, when I try and explain this, I always like to use the example of a sponge. You have a sponge, you completely soak it in water. You know it's wet, it's completely soaked. You can squeeze it and water comes out. But you can also have a sponge that when you squeeze it, no real water comes out, but you touch it and it feels damp. That is, for me, what we want when we say free draining. That sponge that has had the water squeezed out, but still feels damp. And that's what we want with our potatoes. We will, of course, be mulching our potatoes as they grow. And for the first few times, I will be using compost, a homemade compost. Um, I wait till the plants are about 10 centimetres tall and then I just cover them so the tip of the plant is just poking out with compost. Three times we will do that and then we just mulch with some grass clippings in order to keep the moisture locked in. And that's all we have to do. That is our potatoes growing. Now first earlies, they are usually ready June, July time and they are usually ready when the flowers appear on the plants. Very easy, just put your hand in the soil, dig a few out, and there you go, that's your tea sorted. Second earlies, we, we will harvest those July, August time, when the flowers have dropped off or died, and then the main crops 
We leave those in the ground till later on in the year, September, October. The plants will actually die back down and that's when we harvest them out. Now there's a whole way of harvesting the potatoes to make sure they are good for storage. We want to wait until they have all the plants have died down. We then dig them out, leave them in the sun for a couple of weeks to harden the skins, and then we store them somewhere called dry and dark. We'll cover that later on in the year. Now as for problems, the biggest problem with potatoes that I get is blight. Every year I get blight. Last year, I don't think we did actually, but blight is probably one of the biggest problems that we have. There's not much we can do about blight. It is a problem that comes around every year. There's not many treatments that are really available, but it is a waterborne disease and it comes in when it rains. So by trying to make sure you get plenty of ventilation, you reduce your chance of blight. Your first earlies and your second earlies don't tend to suffer from blight. It's the main crops that will, which is why I also always make sure I grow the Sarpo varieties as a main crop. And now another problem that some people have is slugs that burrow into the potatoes. And that's why they often add slug pellets to the ground. Again, I find that I don't use slug pellets because I find that encouraging birds, especially throughout the winter and the spring, to go rummaging around to eat the slugs and snails do the work for me. So that's not a huge problem for me. Well, that is a very easy way of growing potatoes, but it all starts today when they are chitting. If you do anything different with your potato growing that you feel you should share with our audience, and please do get in touch. Details on that will come at the end of this podcast. Right, let's find out what's been cooking this week. Hello Richard, it's Mark in Rotherham. Um, I was listening to your podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it sounds like I've had the same as you, uh, with the bad winds, a uh, couple of panes of Glass in the greenhouse has shattered, completely shattered. I think something blew into them. Anyway, so I'm going to this, the glass shop near me uh, to get some new panes, but I'm wondering what you do with your shattered waste glass on your allotment. Is there any way we can reuse it? Maybe, I know, smash it up really tiny and use it as a slug deterrent or something like that? I don't know. Just a thought. Um, I'd like to know your ideas. Anything you got? Uh, love the podcast as always. Thanks very much. Bye. Well, I thought this was a great question to finish off with for this week. What do I do with all the broken glass from my greenhouses? So I've got to be completely honest. What I tend to do is pick all these little pieces of glass up and I try and pick as much of it up as I possibly can. I put it in a bucket and then I take it down to our local recycling centre where I hope that that glass gets recycled or reused into something very very useful now personally i wouldn't use any broken glass for anything in the garden or the allotment in terms of trying to stop snails and slugs for example i would personally be very very worried about it damaging people in the future if they stick their hands in their ground or something like that so i would be very very cautious about that but that being said Glass is, as I understand, made from a natural product. So it may well be there's people out there that do use it for slug deterrent. But I will ask anybody who is listening that perhaps they have had a use for glass that they can share with us and help mark out with this very question. But personally, I like to take ours down to the local recycling centre so that it hopefully 
it's recycled. Now, I have been, of course, cooking this week. And one thing that we've noticed lately is that we have been getting quite a few eggs from our chickens. We are getting two eggs pretty much every day now. So our egg collection, our egg food source is really in good high production. I am under the belief that supermarkets are struggling to get eggs at the moment. So I feel we are quite lucky with that. In fact, our trouble is at the moment, we're trying to find ways that we can use up quite a few eggs while not wasting them. Now, that's not too much of a problem. When you keep your own chickens, you do have quite a few eggs and they are so much fresher that they do tend to last quite a bit longer. So this weekend, Saturday night, in fact, I made a quiche and I'm, I'm going to be making quiche most weeks now, I feel. Now, this quiche used up some of our leeks that we had left over and a few other items. So to make this quiche, I greased a quiche pan and then I laid into that some pie crust pastry. I always make a bit of pastry up to keep in the freezer. Very, very easy to do, but I won't get into that today. I placed some greaseproof paper on top of the pastry and then placed in some baking beads and placed that in the oven for about 20 minutes just to get a blind bake. In the meantime, I chopped up two thick cut bacon pieces into nice small bacon lardons and just fried those off in a frying pan into which I added a chopped up leek and a bit of sweet pepper and just then fried that down till it was all nice and soft added a bit of garlic as well and then I took that off the heat and allowed it to cool then I took four eggs and a cup of milk and beated it all together by this point the pastry was blind baked so I removed it from the oven took out the baking beads and the greaseproof paper, poured in the bacon and leek mix, and then I poured in the egg and milk mix, and then placed that back in the oven for about 35 minutes on gas mark six. And at the end, we had this delicious, tasty leek and bacon quiche. Absolutely fantastic. Really delicious. I'll definitely be making it again, as well as trying to experiment with other quiches that we can make in the future as well. So really, really happy with this really really tasty now of course i'm going to throw this out there if anybody else has any quiche recipes that they would like to share please do get in touch i really do like quiche and at the moment with so many eggs that we have i'm looking for ways to use them up well that is it for this episode if you've enjoyed it then please do leave us a review on your podcast service and if you want to support this podcast really enjoyed it then please consider becoming a member of our supporters club Members of our supporters club, they get extra behind the scenes podcasts as well as a collection of seeds sent to their door each and every month. And those seeds can be sown in that very month. I'm just putting together February. So for February, I'm sending out aubergine, Brussels sprouts, Welsh onion, cabbage, chicory and spring onion seeds. So quite a collection that is going out there. For that, I charge £5 a month and... I personally think it is great value. For more details on that, head to the vegetgrowerpodcast.co.uk. Now, while you're at the vegetgrowerpodcast.co.uk, you can leave us a comment on the end of a blog post, or you can leave us a voicemail just like Mark did. Love those voicemails. I think they are great to add to the podcast. 
Alternatively, you can email me richard at vegegrowerpodcast.co.uk to get in touch. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on pretty much every platform. Always like to follow. And again, you can contact me through social media as well. That is it for this week. We will be back again next time. So until then, please take care. Yeah.